reading today is 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 14. It can be found on your screen. This is God's word. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me, that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed, the resurrection of the dead. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, let's pray together as we listen for God's voice in this passage. Heavenly God, we find ourselves, just as with Christmas time, we find ourselves in the midst of an extraordinary truth, an extraordinary teaching, um, a central part of our faith and about the story of your grace, and yet it's also paired up with a, a cultural celebration and holiday in one way or another. And it's often a strange place in which to live. And yet right now we focus purely on what is this core of the Christian faith of you sending not just a prophet but your very son who dies, we celebrated that on Good Friday, as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins and a defeat of evil and death, and then rose from the dead on the third day. We sit with this this morning in a very broken world and in lives in uh, which we come bring, bringing burdens that we carry, great difficulties. So whether we come with sadness, grief, doubt, or we come with happiness, newness of life and a freshness to our faith, we now ask that your Holy Spirit would help us to understand the resurrection of your son, Jesus, and that City Life Church would carry this at the center of who we are as a community and as the church, enlivened by your Holy Spirit, to bring new life into this broken world. Speak to us now in such a way that our lives might be 
changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He is risen. I saw some of your lips move with the reply, He is risen indeed. This passage, it's always interesting when we get to land on uh, one of the New Testament passages about resurrection, but that isn't exactly one of the resurrection encounters at the empty tomb. And in this one, the Apostle Paul is doing some reassertion of the evidence of the resurrection. So Paul started the church in Corinth. He went there and began to share the message of Jesus with people. Now, in his absence, there has been some teaching that has creeped in to bring a lot of doubt around the resurrection of Jesus and whether it's really important, whether it really happened. And so Paul is reasserting a couple of things. First of all, the irrefutable evidence you know, the kind of stuff like, hey, there's 500 people. They're still alive. You can go ask them. You know, there are ones who carried his dead body. <laughs> they know what a dead body feels like. And then two days later, you know, they saw him. He appeared. You can go ask them yourself. So this kind of evidence. And then also he needs to assert because they're casting great doubt on him. And they're they're kind of saying in, the, in Corinth, the church is starting to wonder, is this maybe an unessential teaching and maybe this is an add-on by Paul? And so he has to deal a little bit with that about his, his own um, involvement. And also just that this is not an additional teaching. This is central. This is part of like the very earliest of creeds that Christians held to. So this is Paul needing to reassert the evidence of the resurrection. The thing though is, is that belief in the empty tomb in all times and in all places will eventually be assailed from all sides. It's not a matter of if doubt will creep in on your belief in the resurrection. It's a matter of when doubt will creep in. It's just how it works. And you might imagine that the most dangerous attack on the resurrection and on the belief in the empty tomb would be something very scientific, you know, a rigorous scientific mindset that says we must rid ourselves of these old myths and these foolish, naive beliefs that ancient people might have held to, but come on, we're all sophisticated enough and scientific enough, we can't have this as a part of what we believe. You might think that that kind of rigorous um, attack might be the strongest. I actually, actually don't think so. I think that the most dangerous attack on the belief in the empty tomb is no attack at all. The comfortable life. Ignoring depressing news. Checking those delivery notifications one more time for the next Amazon package. Passing another mixed cocktail or an IPA and swiping up to find the next April Fool's prank on TikTok that makes you laugh. And on and on it goes. A life that doesn't challenge the empty tomb head on, but a life that in the end renders it cute and antique and by and large useless. It gives the resurrection no question to answer. Because if your life leads you to feel like all is right 
with the world, then there's nothing left for the resurrection to deal with. The resurrection isn't needed. It's a, it's a chance to check yourself in some sense. Do you live under, in a sense, a slogan of, I'm trying to craft my life in such a way that I can eventually get to the point where all is right with the world. Do you have a life philosophy that way that you can kind of shore it up and make it all right? If so, you might be on inadvertently a path that finds the empty tomb unnecessary. Because the resurrection, in a sense, the resurrection of Jesus, this very real, you know, he died, they saw him dead, and then they saw him alive. This declares that the world needs to be remade. That the broken world, the scarred world, needs to be healed and patched back together or recreated in some way. Every day we find the world crying out for the empty tomb. Tragic ruin, destruction, evil and injustice, sickness like COVID-19, senseless gun violence, and worst of all, death. They cry out every day for the empty tomb to be real and necessary. So it's interesting to stop and realize that if you avert your eyes from our world's mess, and if that's the habit you begin to nurture in your life, then you can expect Easter to become more and more quaint and a bit of a hallmark holiday. And so today I invite you really to do two things. I invite you first to look with brave, wide, open eyes at the horrors of the headlines, the irrefutable evidence of evil, racism and violence, ecological disaster, inequity, injustice, political corruption, and all the forms of abuse of those in power over those weaker. And so that's part one is hold and have the bravery to have open eyes towards the, all the horrors of the headlines, but also hold together with that, the irrefutable evidence of the empty tomb. In a sense, if you can do that, if you can hold those two things together, you can avoid what this scripture passage says, where our faith becomes in vain, and our preaching and the good news and our faith becomes useless. If the resurrection has no longer has anything to apply itself to. It's a chance today to check ourselves on how have I or how have we drifted onto a path that has rendered the resurrection of Jesus useless. Because, friends, the offer of the Bible is to give you something, to give you a resource that is the most stabilizing and powerful resource you can bring to this broken depressing, doom-filled world. 
that you can hold together because of the resurrection. You can hold together in your heart the sad wreckage of God's world and the strong hope of the empty tomb. The risen body of Jesus makes a declaration. Appearing to hundreds of people, it declares that death and injustice and racism will not have the last say. The empty tomb declares to our world that that your sin and your struggles and the burdens you carry and the grief that you bear are not inevitable and are not permanent. We have an incredible resource that is given to us today. In a moment, I'm going to stay close to that unmute button because in a moment you'll need it. But I want to offer in closing two pictures of this. Now, the first, they both come from novels. The first is a sci-fi novel, super nerdy thing that I've been reading called Consider Phlebas by Ian Banks. And there's this fascinating scene where this crew is aboard this spaceship and they're going into this far off place. They want to enter into this planet called Scar's World. And they're seeking permission from that local authority. It's kind of a, a, a shapeless authority that just sends a message to their screen on their control room. And so this crew is watching the screen, asking permission and getting asked questions from these emotionless phrases on the screen. And all of a sudden, on the screen flashes in bold letters, there is death here. That's it. And the crew, I mean, just, you can almost feel it. The crew just sees this and that's where they they supposedly wanna go there. But now this phrase, there is death here. They ask for clarification. And the phrase pops up again, there is death here. They ask for clarification again, nothing happens. And eventually on the screen says, you may enter. And then again, death is here. And then the last phrase, be warned. And just doom fills the cockpit. And then this robot, a droid, says what I think everybody else is feeling. Ironically, the droid says, I don't like the sound of that at all. (laughs) Friends, I mean, in a way, that is a part of the dilemma of our world. That captures it. There is death here. I don't like the sound of that at all. But, and so let me, let me give you one more picture from another book. (laughs) Very different book. This novel by J.K. Rowling. It's Harry Potter in the Order of the Phoenix, book five, where Harry faces doom as he's brought into this chamber deep in the Ministry of Magic. And, it, and the trial is already rigged against him by all these wizards who want to do him in because he's used magic during school holiday. And they've tried to make it so that no one is there in his defense and he feels the darkness and the doom and he's all alone. And there seems no hope until this happens, and I'll read it. A voice comes through. Witness for the defense, Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore, said a quiet voice from behind Harry, who turned his head so fast he cricked his neck. Dumbledore was striding serenely across the room, wearing long midnight blue robes and a perfectly calm expression. His long silver beard and hair gleamed in the torchlight as he drew level with Harry and looked up through the half-moon spectacles that rested halfway down his very crooked nose. A powerful emotion 
had risen in Harry's chest at the sight of Dumbledore. A fortified, hopeful feeling, rather like that which the Phoenix Song gave him. Friends, that's a tiny bit what it's like. That's a drop of the feeling of what it's like in our dark, often doom-filled world to carry with you the hope of the empty tomb. And so, friends, I say to you, he is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. All right. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly God, we look to you in our often dark world. We don't always like what we see. We don't like the feeling that the headlines bring us or that the news brings us or that the troubles of our life bring us. And yet you've given us a resource deeper than any else, anything else ever available to humankind when your son rose from the dead. And so we, we ask this morning for this, all the strength and all the encouragement and all the hope that your resurrection was meant to give us. And you, we ask that you fill us with that kind of renewing, new creation, remaking, healing kind of hope that we might pour out into the brokenness of the world around us with your healing grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.